Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know, one scholar once said that Romans chapter 12 is the graduation chapter. You know, like you graduate from high school and get your diploma and you walk across that aisle or across that, see, I've never done it, and uh, (laughs) walk across that stage and get that diploma. And so graduation time is an exciting time. And Romans chapter 12 is just that. Get your pen, get your pad. This morning, you are going to need it. I'm going to give you a lot of words, and we're going to approach the scriptures today uh, in a way that um, I use. You know, a lot of people ask me, uh, give me your attention. A lot of people ask me, uh, how is it that I uh, study, and how do I prepare? Last week, I was talking to you a little bit about exegesis and eisegesis, and this week, I'm going to kind of go through with you here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to go through with you uh, how I usually begin my Bible studies. How I usually begin a Bible study, first of all, well, first of all, is I read the text. Amen. Amen. (laughs) You know how many people don't? So first of all, I read the text. And I generally read the text about... 15, 25 times. I mean, that many. I mean, I read it, read it. Everywhere I go, I take my Bible and I read it. If I'm sitting, waiting for something, I just read it. That's all. I go to the barbershop, I'm sitting there reading it. And um, because it's important, first of all, before you're going to teach God's word, to get it written on your heart. Somebody say amen. amen. And then secondly, when I begin to study, I take the text and I tear it apart. Word for word in its Greek language, in the original content and context and form. This morning, that's what we're going to do with Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We're going to take it apart word for word and see what God's word has to say about it. And then we're going to put it back together. I think that you're going to be blessed. That's why I want you to get your pen. I want you to get your pad. I want you to get your mind because I think that you're going to learn some things today God, as we go to your word, saints, come on, pray with me. Father, as we go to your word, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us now by the power of the Spirit. Only you can change us, Lord. Transform us by the work of the Spirit and cause us, Lord, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people agree and said, Amen. Amen. Listen. As I read this letter that I came across recently, it's a letter from or to the president of the United States in January, listen, January 31st, 1829. 
true. President Jackson, the canal system of this country is being threatened by the spread of a new form of transportation known as railroads. The federal government must preserve the canals for the following reasons. Number one, if boats are supplanted by railroads, serious unemployment will result. Captains, cooks, drivers, repairmen, and lock tenders will be left without means of livelihood, not to mention the numerous farmers now employed in growing hay for horses. Two, boat builders will suffer and tow line, whip, and harness makers will be left destitute. Three, canal boats are absolutely essential to the defense of the United States. In the event of the un of the expected trouble in England, the Erie Canal would be the only means by which we could ever move the supplies so vital to waging modern war. As you well know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled at the enormous speed of 15 miles per hour. That's supposed to be funny. <laughs> by engines, which in addition to endangering life and limb of passengers, roar and snort their way through the countryside, setting, to f setting fire to crops, scaring the livestock and frightening women and children. <laughs> the Almighty certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speeds. <laughs> Sincerely yours, Martin Van Buren, Governor of New York. Change, listen. People are resistant to change. People don't like change. People are afraid of change. And, and often, listen, saints, change is inevitable and change is needed. The Bible tells us that our God is a God who changes not. We call that the immutability of God. God changes not. He is the same yesterday, somebody help me, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the immutability of God. He does not change. But although God doesn't change, God does want to change us. People say, well, God loves me the way I am. Yeah, and he loves you too much to leave you that way. <laughs> God is a God of change. The book of Romans is a book that will change you. I don't know about you, but I think I've been changed. Even in this time, and I want to say this is probably my fifth time teaching through verse by verse the book of Romans. And again, I find myself being changed, and you will change if you hear it and you do it. As a matter of fact, some of the greatest revivals of reformations have their roots in the book of Romans. It was Martin Luther who was changed by the book of Romans. Martin Luther once said, the book of Romans, get this saints, is the chief part of the New Testament and the purest of doctrines. Martin Luther was so affected by the book of Romans that he said every Christian should know it word for word by heart and should occupy himself with it every day. Martin Luther said the book of Romans is so impacting and will change you so that you need to read it and know it by heart and read it every day. The book of Romans is a book of change. The book of Romans is a book of transformation. I've titled my sermon today, Challenge to Change. If you have a pen, I'm going to give you a two-part outline that we're going to talk about in the remainder of our time this morning, a two-point outline. 
Challenge to Change is the sermon title. And here's your outline for today. We'll work from in verse one. We are challenged to change by the mercies of God. Write that down. We are challenged to change by the mercies of God. And then secondly, our final point this morning, we are challenged to change by a metamorphosis. Challenged to change by the mercies of God. And we're challenged to change by a metamorphosis. Romans chapter 12, saints, we pick up in verse 1 this morning. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Some of y'all ain't looking. Romans chapter 12 in verse 1. If you're looking at it, let me hear you say amen. Amen. Thank you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. You know, I have my name there. Rodney. Put your name there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Would you underline that? Holy and acceptable to God, which is what, saints? Your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. We'll talk about it in a minute. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I'm going to read a little further just because I feel like it. we'll deal with it next time. For I say in verse three, you're looking at it through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Hmm. That was so good. I'm going to read that again. (laughs) I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't we all know people like that? In the Greek language, that says, don't think you're all that in a bag of chips. It's in the Greek. (laughs) But to think what, saints? Soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, Calvary people, being many, are one body in Christ. And individually, listen, we are members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, Let us use them. If we prophesy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us minister in, let us use it in our ministering. And he who teaches in teaching, and he who exhorts in exhortation, and he who gives, give generously. And he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with Cheerfulness. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Point number one in our outline, the challenge to change by the mercies of God. Now listen, saints, look at verse one again. He says, I beseech you, therefore. Now, Calvary Chapel people, you know, when you see the word therefore, you want to what? Find out what it's there for. And this word, therefore, is referring back to what we have talked about previously 
in the previous 11 chapters. Chapters 1 through 3, we talked about that God's grace is shown to all mankind. In chapter 4, we talked about that we have been justified by faith. And then in chapter 5, that God has given us a faith that triumphs over trouble. And then in chapter 6, we are dead to sin. Were you with us? And alive unto God. And we are freed from the righteous requirements of the law. Chapter 7, which brought us to chapter 8. Because we are freed from the righteous requirements of the law, there is therefore now what, saints? No condemnation to those who are in Christ. And then in chapters 9, 10, and 11, there's no room for anti-Semitism. We've been talking about that here for months, if you were not with us. Anti-Semitism means hatred for the Jew. There's no room for hatred for the Jew because God is not through with the Jew. And God is not through with you. Isn't that true? (laughs) Because we are grafted in, we talked about. In chapters 9, 10, and 11, if you weren't with us, pick up the CDs. So Paul says, listen, in light of the previous 11 chapters, in light of the previous 315 verses, in light of who you are in Christ, I beseech you, or I beg you, or I strongly urge you by the mercies of God. Now again, turn on your brain. Listen, if you were with us, you know we talked a lot about the mercies of God. And the mercy that God has shown us. We talked about the fact that we have been justified by his mercy. Amen. And we have been adopted in Jesus. And we have this identification as believers in Christ by his mercy. And we have been set under grace and not under the law by his mercy. And we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. What saints? By his mercy. And we are standing in God's election by his mercy and we have the certainty of coming glory by his mercy and we have the confidence of no separation from the love of God by his mercy and we have total confidence in God's continued faithfulness by his mercy in light of all this mercy past present and future Paul begs that you present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. Now listen, in the first century church, did I tell you, were you with me? The first century church there at the Calvary Chapel in Rome was mostly Jewish. So when Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, I beg you, I urge you to present your body as a living sacrifice. Listen, because the church was mostly Jewish, when he used the phrase, living sacrifice, their ears perked up like a German shepherd. I love German shepherds. And they were like, oh, living sacrifice. Well, we get it now because, listen, as a Jew, they understood that this phrase, living sacrifice, has everything to do with what happened in the Old Testament with the animal sacrifice. Were you with us on Wednesday evenings? In the book of Exodus, right about chapter 29, we talked about the animal sacrifice. And remember we pointed out that the animal sacrifice was exceedingly yucky. If you were to put a rating on it, it would be rated R for graphic violence. 
Remember we talked about as they would bring this bull before the tabernacle. Get this. And Aaron the high priest and his sons were to put their hands on the head of the bull and kill the bull. And the bull was a sin offering. And they would take this bull and they would cut the bull in pieces, slit the throat, drain the blood out to the last drop. They would fillet the bull and take the fat that covered the entrails and the fatty lobe that was attached to the liver, the two kidneys and the fat that was attached to it. And they would take this dead sacrifice, this dead bull that had been cut up in pieces, and they would pile up the bull on the altar and they would burn it. And then they would take the skin and the dung They would take it outside of the camp and they would burn it. So the people standing around, are you getting this picture? The people standing around as they see this bull chopped up into pieces and then stacked up on the altar, the people were like repulsed. They'd be like, it's disgusting. And if you're standing there, listen, this would make an impression on you. Of course it will. I mean, it's pretty gross. It's pretty disgusting. But listen, it will make an impression on you because it's supposed to make an impression on you. Because remember, the sacrificial uh, slaying of this bull was a sin offering. And because it's a sin offering, sin is supposed to be repulsive to us. Don't you understand that it is God who set up the sacrificial system? And it is God who told them, this is how I want you to sacrifice that bull. Because to God, sin is repulsive. And sin is supposed to be repulsive to us. Unfortunately, sin is not repulsive to us. I mean, everybody's got little problems. I mean, we all have issues. I mean, don't we all? Everybody's got their little issues now when nobody's perfect. No, nobody is perfect. But sin is supposed to be repulsive to us because it is repulsive to God. Sin is serious. Sin is brutal. Sin is bloody. And sin costs lives. So they sacrifice this animal if you're listening. Say amen. Amen. Before they sacrifice the animal, they were to take their hands and to lay their hands on the head of the animal. When they laid their hands on the animal, it would, in a sense, in a sense, be, be taking your place. As the animal was killed and cut in pieces and laid out on the altar, it was to be as if you were laid out on the altar. As the animal was being consumed by the flames, it was to be as if you were being totally consumed by the flames and being completely given over to God. Listen, Paul's point here. When he says to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, Paul is trying to say to the Christians at the Calvary in Rome, and he's trying to say to the Christians at the Calvary in Apex today, that we are to present our lives to God and be totally consumed with doing the will of God. Because when you become a Christian, do you realize that your life no longer belongs to you? Listen, a Christian, when you give your life to Christ, you are coming to him and you're supposed to be giving yourself to him wholly and completely. 
not holding anything back. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Somebody once said the problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. (laughs) Isn't that true? And how often do we do that? Well, God, on Sunday, I present myself to you. Yes, Lord, anything. Lord, I worship you. I bless your name forever and ever and over and over and over again. Sunday. Monday, you know, Lord, I think I have that life back right now. And we go off and we do our own thing. When you give your life to Christ, every part of you, Christian, listen. Every part of you belongs to the Lord. Remember in Romans chapter 6, Paul said to present your members as instruments of righteousness. An instrument is a tool that is to be used. So you're to present your body to the Lord. Everything, your hands, God, my hands belong to you. My eyes belong to you. My mouth belong to you. My feet belong to you. My mind belongs to you. My heart belongs to you. My checkbook belongs to you. God, my credit card, my home, my cars, everything belongs to God. It's a sacrifice and is given completely. The animal, the bull, gave his life completely and there was no taking it back. That bull could not reassemble itself and begin to live again. Dead is dead. We are to be dead to ourselves, but alive unto God. If you're getting this, say amen. Amen. But alive unto God. Paul says, present yourselves a living sacrifice. And listen, saints, I think the number one reason why Christians don't present their bodies to God is largely, I think, is as simple as this. Because we don't trust him. You know, you can be a Christian and not trust the Lord. Say amen. Amen. It's right. Because it's true. We don't trust him. We don't believe him. When God says that I know the plans that I have for you, and I know the thoughts that I think toward you, and they are good, and they're not evil, and they're to give you a future and a hope. If we really believe that, listen, we would live our lives based on that. If we really believe that he loves us and he's got good for us. If we really believe that God wouldn't put more on you than you could bear, then when God says, listen, I want you to get on that grill, the altar. And I'm going to turn up the fire. With trials and testings and tribulations and suffering and sickness and poverty, I'm going to turn up the fire because God is trying to burn out of you all of those things that don't glorify him that he might make you in the person that that you say you want to be. We say, God, I want to be a man of prayer. God, I want to be a woman of prayer. God, I want to be used by you. Well, if you say, God, I want to be used by you and I want to be uh, the man or the woman that you call me to be, well, God's going to have to work in you and then work out of you all of that junk that's hindering you from being the person that you really want to be. See, God's just answering your prayer. The thing that you're going through, God is just answering your prayer. Somebody once said, he won't put on more on you than you can bear. And he has one hand on the thermostat and one hand on you. He knows exactly how hot things need to be. We don't trust him. 
If you're going to be used by God and you're going to say, God, I'm going to offer myself as a living sacrifice, you're going to have to trust the Father. Where do you get that from, Rodney? Genesis chapter 22. It's a great story. You go read it in your own time. Lord, it sure is hot in here. He's turning up the fire right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 22. Listen, do you know the story? You know, we often talk about, give me your attention. I know it's hot, but you know what? Thank God we ain't going to hell. Amen. <laughs> you think it's hot here? You better get saved. I'm just trying to help you. Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 22. You know, we talk about the faith of Abraham. But how often do we talk about the faith of Isaac? I mean, think about this. Genesis chapter 22. Abraham and Isaac are headed up Mount Moriah because Abraham is going to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, in obedience to God. So they're traveling up the mountain. And Isaac says, he says, he looks over there walking up the mountain. There's probably an awkward silence. <laughs> Isaac looks over and he says, uh, Dad? Yes, Isaac? He says, we've got the wood and we've got the knife and we've got the fire for the sacrifice. He says, but, but, but where's the offering? Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, get on that grill, good buddy. <laughs> you have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.